Peace and blessings and welcome back to the Heritage Hip Hop Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Transparent Credit Repair, the superheroes of the financial literacy and credit repair world. It's time for us to start opening our wallets and receiving money, then spending money to bills, to debt, and everything that takes income and money outside of your house. If you're looking to do such by fixing your credit and ensuring yourself a path to having more money, the money that you work for, please contact Transparent Credit Repair at www.transparentcreditrepair.com or you can call them at 862-250-5122. Thank you everybody for coming back to Heritage Hip Hop as on this episode we take you across the waters. That's right, we're going back international and we're going to Freetown. Don't know what that is? We're going to Sierra Leone to talk to the MC and councilwoman of the country, Natasha Beckley. Not only is she a dope MC, she's a beautiful woman with a beautiful message about life and preserving what counts, which is identity, love, and a pursuit of joy and excellence in their lives. Listen, y'all, this is a great interview, and she makes great music. And that's why we're here. So please, take some time to sit back, relax, and enjoy this interview. And I'll come back with the rest of my commentary when it's done. Peace and blessings, everybody. This is Karev from Heritage Hip Hop. And on the line today, I have somebody who's a statement maker internationally, who music only sums up but so little of her power. Please, introduce yourself to the people. Hello, you made me sound so good. (laughs) Hello, my name is (laughs) Natasha Beckley. And um, I'm from Freetown, Sierra Leone in West Africa. Now, shout out to West Africa because anybody who does history and knows about the stories that come from our people who are colored people, we have family that comes from West Africa to the shores, which makes you our sister. And we extend to you the blessings that the Most High gives to us biblically and collectively in this world. So how are you today? Amen. I'm doing well. And it's it's actually good that we continue to... um, bridge the relationship between, you know, black Americans and, you know, blacks in Africa because, um, you know, the foundation is already there from the triangular slave trade and, you know, with everything that's going on here in the diaspora for black men especially, you know, we have to start thinking about, you know, maybe visiting home and I'm meaning the continent of Africa and seeing, you know, how best, you know, black people can establish Africa. True indeed. I mean, I have a lot of theories and thoughts on what Africa is not rather than what it is. Because I don't even believe the original name of the land was Africa. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I think that's something that was taught. And then not only that, I believe people from African descent are what makes up the majority of the world, being that some of our people over here are Native American is taught. But even as you go back further, a lot of the ships from Africa came to do trading and people stayed here. And that's how we had dark-colored, dark-skinned um, yeah. tribesmen in this country. You know what I'm saying? The so, triangular slave trade. Yeah. Well, at the, end of the, at the end of the day, it's all about how the Most High made us a family. And mm-hmm. nowadays in this world, family and, and, and unity is becoming a major theme. How do you feel about that? I'm, I'm so sorry. You said right now family and what? Family and family love and unity is a major theme in the world right now. How do you feel right. about that? Um, 
you know, with everything going on, the unexpected, um, you know, spread of the COVID-19, and um, it's just showing that um, there was something missing. Maybe we were so busy in our day-to-day lives because a lot of people will say that COVID has interfered in their businesses, but you can see that even though it did, it brought a lot of families together. So now during this COVID time, a lot of, you know, immediate family members are finding the importance of getting to know their children, getting to understand their wives, you know, um, reaching out to those that are very close to them. Like, you know, um, you know, we've, of course, we've not been able to go anywhere. Everybody's been indoors. But you can call, you know, your mother, call your father, your brothers and sisters, your cousins, just to check up on them. And on the average, you know, people were so caught up in their lives, their busy schedules. Nobody was doing that. So um, I think 2020 has been a rude awakening um, for not only um, rest in peace to all the lives that have, I mean, have been lost, over 200,000 200, people, but yet again, it's brought so many people together. So there's kind of like, you know, a win-lose situation with COVID-19. So it's extremely important. And I think moving forward, we're going to see a lot more unity happening because um, I'm actually in America because mm-hmm. of COVID, I was not unable to go back to Sierra Leone. So I've been in Virginia for almost four months. So mm-hmm. I had no plans of being here. I only came here for five days for um, after International Women's Day. I was in Argentina. So I said, let me stop by and see my family in Virginia, and then I'm going to go back. And then I come find out that, you know, I have to be here for an extra month, four months, nothing that was planned. So, you know, you see people unifying in different forms, blacks and whites coming together. Look at all the protests that have been going on around the world, you know, after the death of George Floyd. So, you know, everything happening now was needed. It's just unfortunate that a virus had to bring everybody together. Yeah, yeah, I I believe that 100%, um, and you're right. So COVID has done a lot of damage to the world. But COVID also, and I don't want to sound insensitive when I say this, COVID actually sat people down to have them appreciate the little things in life. So mm-hmm. it was some positives that came out of it. And one of those positives I want to focus on with you is being that COVID came and people actually had to sit down, it gave us people who love music the time to sit down and really learn, appreciate, and hear not only the beats but the stories of the people telling, you know, the the, the rhythm who they are. You see what I'm saying? Right, right. And then being introduced to you, yeah, I learned a whole lot of things. We could talk about a whole lot of things. But one thing that I realized when I heard and saw you, everybody's going to talk about how beautiful you are, so let's get out the way. Everybody, she's gorgeous. You can look up herself, okay? But, but besides that, I got to hear passion from you. What makes your passion so lively instead of being just representative? Okay, so I started off as of every any rapper maybe will say they started off as a poet, you know, um maybe I'll say old school rappers because um poetry is the foundation for, you know, um you know, just lyrics, period. So, um when I was young I used to slam all the time. Being that I came from Africa and I moved to America, there were so many things that I didn't learn about Africa until I came to America. Um, I started understanding that I was black and, you know, a lot of people because um, a lot of people looked at me, one second, please. Mm-hmm. A lot of people looked at me different, you know, because, you know, I was African as well. So um, I got to tap into words. I got to tap into words to be able to, you know, get the message out. So that's how, you know, music really started for me. So during this COVID time, I started writing, um, finished my EP. My EP was almost done, but I finished my EP during this past four months. 
and then um, you know I'm getting ready to put it out. So um, music music now in COVID has been like you know it's been a really a really good time for me to focus on my craft. I'm sorry, I have nieces, and they they hear me on the interview. I'm trying to tell them to. It's all good. (laughs) But they want to play now, and I'm like, no, it's not the time to play. (laughs) Well, that's all good. But um, what you said was very impactful, and I want to unpack that. Coming to America, you were given a designation that was regular somewhere else, and then you were also given an origin place. So America took you from being God's creation woman into making you a black woman and then an African woman, which is a robbery. But thank God that you did your poetry because you have one poem. Um, I forgot the name of it. I apologize because I'm, I'm all over the place today as well. But in your poem, it's like you're talking to a woman and you're, and you're talking about um, culture. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. See, I, I wrote a, a, a book of 300 poems, and um, mm-hmm. I, being in America, I focus on so many. So I used to slam back in the day, and I got a full scholarship to go to college because of slam poetry. So mm-hmm. so many poems, you know, you know, just talking to you, bringing it back, you know. Um, I spoke of being a black woman. I spoke of identifying myself because being a poet, you have to read. So I got into reading from the, you know, WBE, um, WEB Du Bois, from the Frederick Douglass to the Native mm-hmm. Son by Richard Wright. So all mm-hmm. these books, you know, formed this lady that was now not only learning about the African struggle, but now the African-American struggle, you know. Mm-hmm. So it just created this, you know, this lady, this woman that was African, African for real, American. And, you know, like, you know, I say I'm African for real, African-American, you know, and that's how, you know, that I remember so many poems, even talking to you, like I'm getting flashbacks and, you know, like, you know, lyrics are coming in my head of things that I did before. And um, America was a big part of my identity of who I am as a woman and who I am as a black woman, who I am as an African woman. So, um, you know, America played that part. I wish I could have met you when you did those poetry sessions. <laughs> and, and the reason why is because of this. Everybody who knows about heritage hip-hop knows, you know, you know uh, women women in music and women who perform to me are like the height of womanhood for me because there's a confidence that the world cannot take from you because you're finally getting to be free and we see yeah. the real you. Was there ever a you that was hidden that poetry and hip-hop brought out of you that you kept to yourself? Um, yeah, so poetry brought out rap. You know, I just thought about it. it was like, um, you know, they enforced upon their culture and enforced upon their religion. We didn't have the rights to create our own future because it wasn't our decision. They crossed the oceans with a plan to bring civilization, but committed the worst crimes beyond human imagination. Yeah, we fought for our rights and we fought for our freedom, but we gave in to the whites and were enslaved in our own kingdom. See, we were locked up in chains. We worked in all weathers and the hailstorms and rains. We were beaten on our turns. You know, like, I just started thinking about that just now as I was talking to you. And I wrote that in like 2000, maybe. Can you imagine like 20 years ago? 20 years ago? 20 years yeah. ago. And um, so, like, I just started thinking about that. But poetry started now in 2000 and maybe after 50 Cent came out with Get Rich or Die Trying. Mm. Um, I, start, I started, you know, rapping to his instrumentals. You know, mm. I just loved, you know, I grew up mob deep. So a lot of people found it weird because I was already in Africa listening to mob deep. You see, this is the Africa that people don't know about. 
you know, mm-hmm. hip-hop or arts and culture, they speak to people all around the world. So growing up, I was a, you know, I was a tribe called Quest Girl. I was a Lost Boys, you know, a lot of people still don't even know about that. I was a Lost mm-hmm. Boys, Mr. Cheeks Girl. Um, you know, I used to listen to Rakim. Um, Tupac, of course, he came to South Africa before he died. Lost Boys had a show in South Africa, I think, in 96 or something like that. And I was really excited about that. And mm-hmm. um, I grew up with all of that. So when 50 Cent came out with Get Rich or Die Trying, I started now converting the poems into freestyles. So I started, um, you know, um, kicking back a little bit from just writing um, for, now I started writing to instrumentals. Um, I started writing to beats. And then in 2007, I started not incorporating my language into it. You know, my brother was like, my brother's a DJ, and he was like, um, stop writing in English so much. Um, try to see if you can connect back to Africa, see if people in Africa, because they listen to hip-hop too. You know, that Foxy Brown, that Lil' Kim. Try to see if you can connect to young girls back there and hip-hop lovers over there. So that's what, you know, um, that was the hidden part. I think I was so scared because, you know, um, in Africa, women don't rap. It's not, it's not, it's not, um, it's not a good, it's not like it's not a good thing, but it's not the most proud thing for a parent to say, my daughter's a rapper. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's used to your daughter being a, a, a politician or, you know, a, a teacher, an engineer, a scientist or something, you know, that you could be proud of because we, we are like, we are, we are by merits. Our parents are proud of us by merits. So I couldn't rap. So I stuck to poetry for so long because I was so ashamed of how, what if I was to shame my parents by rapping? Mm-hmm. You know, so that's, you know, that was that. So poetry brought that out really. And, you know, and, you know, I stopped writing in 27, 20, 2007. I started writing, I stopped writing poems and I just stuck to freestyles. I just stuck to instrumentals. Started buying beats, you know. And aren't your parents proud of you now? Now there's, oh my God, my dad, he, um, whenever you go to the house now, he can't stop playing my music. You know, he changed my music all the time. And I was like, Dad, stop. I also am a politician. <laughs> That's great. But you know something? Yeah. I was talking to Justin Hunt, who's like the company man. He, he's, he's big in the hip-hop circles. And yeah. he's a great he's great when it comes to media. And in one of our interviews, he said something that was very articulate that I want, to, I want you to express about and on. He said, hip-hop is the hardest genre of music because it uses the most vocabulary. And the reason why I I wanted to really get into heritage hip-hop was to show the depth and the intelligence of our people that even though mainstream media always wants to play us in negative light, whether it's sex, drugs, murder, killing, or whatever, there are people who do hip-hop that are so intelligent that not only are they capable of being community leaders, world leaders, politicians, but they're able to move the needle in a positive direction when it comes to society. How does that, what does that make you think about when I tell you something like that? Just rephrase your question one more time. I want to make sure that I get, I get to your question. You said, um, rephrase your question one more time. I want to know how you make, what, what do you think of that phrase, that with hip-hop being difficult because it is the most wordy and it's the hardest of the of the genres, and I and I also say that it, it is it is the genre that shows the depth, the emotional and um the emotional depth and the depth of character and the depth of education that you have because exactly. you're able to push society forward with your words and how you put them to music. How do you feel about that? 
I, I agree with what you're saying. That's one thing I wanted to make sure I understood this because it's a very important question. Um, sometimes, you know, we, we, we think that going to school is all the education that you need, and sometimes just being observant, being an observant individual is just good enough to be able to get you to think. You know, um, hip-hop gives you the – you have to not live it, but you have to understand it to be able to – properly articulated or properly connect to, you know, to writing about certain issues. Um, reading, I just, I just, you know, spoke to you about some books that I was reading that, you know, that would, um, you know, spark my brain. And as soon as, after reading from these authors, I would immediately start writing because my, my brain, like I was feeding myself knowledge um, coming from um, Africa being here. Now I had firsthand experience of what I was reading. I had an experience of racism. I had an experience of seeing black people trying to make it. I had experience of seeing a mother trying to provide, parents trying to provide. So you living it and you learning more about it just gives you enough information to, you know, to talk about it. You know, sometimes you say you got to be about that life to, you got to be about that life to, you know, to tap into that emotion at that time, you know, to tap into that emotion at that time. And, you know, right now with everything going on, you see maybe a lot of rappers want to write about, you know, the black rights movement, you know, um, about civil rights movement or about, you know, um, you know, just black, black lives matter. But they can't because, number one, their circle and the way how they surround themselves is not even in that uplifting empowering kind of um kind of you know kind of state so you have to be in that mindset you have to be in that surrounding to be able to speak about it i'm not talking about about getting money fast cars and all of that that's a that's an imagination that you can get to because that's a dream but we're talking about you know the emotion the depth the root of you know how wordplay you have to be in that right mindset. You either have to read it, you have to live it, or experience it to be able to capture it. Exactly. And part of the beauty of music is not only does it introduce you to different voices, it also takes you to different places. And one place that you took me to is Freetown. Please, please describe and give everybody who's going to listen to this, what is Freetown and what does it mean to you? Oh my God, um, Freetown. So just small history about Freetown. Freetown is for free slaves. Um, when the, you know, when the British, when slavery was, you know, over ending, the British gave the free slaves the opportunity to go back to Africa. So they went to Freetown. But now because, um, you know, in the African entertainment industry, Sierra Leone is not doing so well. We are, you know, we have a lot of um, entertainers that are very popular in Sierra Leone, but we're trying to cross borders. We're trying to, you know, get to the American scenery. We're trying to make sure that even people in Africa know who we are. So um, when anytime I travel to different places or I get in the studio, a lot of people get so like, where's she from? She sounds so American. Where's she from? She sounds so American. Where's she from? She sounds so, you know, maybe Kenyan. They, they pick somewhere else. But then even though I'm a part of everywhere else, I'm from Freetown. So, um I got in the studio once, and a lot of people were just asking, where's she from, where's she from? And I just kept on saying, Freetown, 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 Freetown. So when I heard the beat, I just said, where I'm from, Freetown, Apodon, Freetown. So that's really how that song came about. But Freetown is for free slaves, and, you know, um, Freetown is really one of those cities 
because Freetown is the capital of Sierra Leone. Freetown is one of those cities that, you know, played a big part in, um, we had the first university in West Africa, you know, um, so that played a part in just, you know, educating the black, um, the black West African and educating the, um, a lot of people that came from the Nova Scotias, from, you know, South Carolina, the Geechee, you know, Freetown. So that's how, you know, that's how that song came about. You know, where I'm from, Freetown. That's dope. That's and the thing about this song, Freetown, because Freetown song is dope. It's fire. I love the song. You know what I'm saying? Thank you. Thank you. But, Thank but the thing that makes an artist and a song last long is the ability to touch the people. And you had the Freetown Challenge. What was it like to create something and to see it take a life of its own where other artists wanted to join in and represent where they're from? So I didn't even think it was going to, like, get so many people to, you know, um, to participate. So we got, like, over 200, um, and we just, people sending in instrumentals or whatever. And um, so, you know, the beat, people like, you know, just representing where you're from, a lot of people in the diaspora, so, um, you know, people that move back, just educating the listeners, people that move back out of, you know, um, a, a place to somewhere else, they, the diaspora because they settle somewhere else. So a lot of Sierra Leoneans in the American diaspora and the United Kingdom diaspora fell in love with the song because they haven't been back home in years. So they kept on saying, where I'm from, Freetown, Apodon, Freetown, get that money, hit the city, then I'm gone, Freetown, because that's what we do. That's our culture. We come, mm-hmm. we, make a, we make money, and we go home. We come, we make money, and we go home. We come, we make money, and we go home. So it was able to get people from other African countries, um, the Caribbean, to, you know, identify with that because we come because we are maybe refugees. We were displaced in our country. We come to find better refuge, and then we go back home. So that was really what free time was all about, you know, and people fell in love with it, and people, I put the instrumental out, and people started rapping on it. Yeah, you did your thing on that one because that's a classic. Yeah. That's one of them songs that we're going to talk about 50, 60 years from now because songs that give you pride, songs that give you a representation of a place, it's amazing. Like when we talk about um, KRS-One, we always talk about the bridge is over, the bridge is over, right? They always talk about that oh, in history. Yes, when, yes. when you talk about Nas, you talk about Queen. You talk Queen. about Bob Deep. Exactly, Shook One. So when they talk yes. about... Natasha Duncan, yeah. he's gonna talk about Freetown. You see? Hey, wow. And that's and that's the goal every artist wants to hit, but you've hit it phenomenally, so salute to you. Oh man, thank you so much. Thank you so uh, much. That makes me feel so good. Well now the song's dope. Thank you for making it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but but even that, Freetown doesn't really show your vast wordplay. Because Corlay, let's talk about that one now. Mm-hmm. Now, movement, movement, wordplay, beat structure, and writing the beat. You have the ability to not just rap. You have the ability to make the track rock to you, where the beat sounds like it needs your voice to be hot. How did you find your voice when you started rapping or in your style? Oh, so finding your voice um, in rap, the foundation is through poetry. So, um, you know, written a lot of poems, written a lot of poems, and um, I got the opportunity of written a lot of poems. So I used to stand in the mirror. I used to stand in the mirror all the time. And, you know, I used to rap in the mirror. I used to talk to myself in the mirror. So that really set the tone of my voice. So whenever I hear a beat, um, 
even though I'm a female rapper, I know how to, you know, um, jump on the beat. I know when to raise my voice, when to lower my voice, you know, how to really get on the beat. So when I heard the beat for Corley, actually, I didn't go to the studio for Corley. I went to the studio just to work on random beats. So the producer was like, oh, I have this one beat. And then I just said Corley. You know, Corley in Freetown means watch. It means oh. watch me. It means watch me. So when I heard it, I said Corley, Corley. And they were like, I was in Nigeria at that time. And they were like, what's Corley? What's Corley? And I was like, it means watch. And the producer said, let's go. And I just started brand new thing for the summer, Corley, for the hot boys in the corner, Corley. You know, so that's, that's really how that came about. But, you know, um, Corley, I did that because I, I, I wanted to just get my audience ready for something danceable because I'm a rapper. You know what I'm saying? I don't, mm-hmm. I don't want when I'm ready to drop that heat, heat, they start thinking, oh, she doesn't have any dance tracks or she doesn't have, um, she doesn't have any dance tracks or whatever. So, you know, um, so for Corley was just, you know, something to get them in, but we got some heat, heat dropping. So that's going to be, you know, that's what you need to be watching out for. All right, that's dope. But yeah, you gotta be well-rounded. Being a well-rounded artist means, the KLS one said, a rapper raps to you about their life, but an MC can rap to you about your own life. Right. And, Ooh, I like that. And and with the music that you've been making, whether you're dancing or you're representing where you're from, that brings the heart of the listener over to the artist. I'm gonna be honest with you. You know what I love when I fight when I fell in love with you as an artist. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just the music that you did that was me a movie, you know, about where you're from. The song "True Love" is what got me into you. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, that song. <laughs> right. I want I want you to talk about the song "True Love" and, and, and who are you directing that to? So when I when I wrote that, um, I was just thinking about um, you know all the hurt, you know um, I I put so many relationships together to write that, um, you know I picked the good from here, I picked the good from here, I picked the bad from here, the good from here, and you know um, as you said, um, as an artist, everything is how you feel. We can tap into somebody else's feelings, but most importantly, we tap into our own feelings. And I probably wrote that song in about maybe 15 minutes or, you know, after listening to the beat. And um, I just tapped into it, and I picked out the good and the bad from every relationship, and I just started writing it, and that was that. You know, that's how we, that's how we got that song, and that's how I wrote that song in 2014. And I just tapped into different relationships, and, you know, I just poured my heart out what was good. And, you know, being a woman is extremely difficult. Sometimes you, or especially a popular woman, because I was a former Miss Sierra Leone. So I went mm-hmm. in this world for Sierra Leone, and, um, you know, a lot of people will probably say, oh, I like Natasha, but, you know, um, she's, you know, she's maybe a little bit too popular. But it'd be really the ones that are extremely popular that are looking for something that's, you know, mild, something that's, you know, a place to just to call home and just lay down and forget about everything else. So um, with True Love, I just picked out from every relationship, good or bad, and I just wrote about it. And, you know, that's how that song came out. Yeah, I like it. Like. Yeah, that song is, I think, I think that song right there is what made me really go, wow, she's deep. You know what I'm saying? Like, before, like, like I said, man, I, I, I'm a lover of music. So, like, I don't really, like, if you can rap, that's good. But that don't impress me because people in the corner over here can rap. It's the, it's the spirit in the song and the message I get from it that really makes me feel something. And that song really spoke to me. So I wanted to ask you, 
what's the what's the easier or most meaningful song for you to write? One out of joy or one out of pain? Oh my God, um, this is deep. What is easier to write? One one out of um, one out of joy or one out of pain? I'll say the one out of joy is easier to write because um, sometimes, as you know, we you you know with writer's block especially, when you want to write the truth of how you're feeling sometimes, you need to change. Your mood changes and it takes you away from, you have to be away from everything to be able to, you know, just speak, like, you know, write your truth. So um, the one out of joy, we could all be together and vibing and, you know, understanding each other and the, the words just pan out easily. You know, um, the words just start to flow easily. So the one out of joy, you know, you probably are in the studio, you see one or two people like, oh, that's a banger, that's a hit. You know, one or two people like jump into it. And then, you know, the words just start to flow like, you know, a lot more easier. But the one out of pain, that's really your truth. That's really, um, you know, you trying to connect with the audience or you trying to connect to whoever you're speaking to. When they listen to it directly, they know she's talking to me or she's talking about me. Just like these love songs sometimes. We've heard a lot of love songs. You know, um, that's the one thing, you know, 90s R&B artists were able to do. You know, um, Jodeci will sing a song right now, and every woman in the world will think, oh, no, that song is for me. This particular mm-hmm. song is for me. Because, you know, you have to tap into, you have to tap into the livelihood of that person at that time where they're thinking, they're listening to the words and thinking at that time, you know. Genuine used to sing songs, and, you know, everybody thought it was for us, you know what I'm saying? But you know, mm-hmm. the dance songs, you know, you could just come up with that, you know, really easy. And you know, the happy songs, those are very easy because you, those you can steal the energy from different people. But one that connects to people, you have to find that energy within yourself. Facts. That's why growing up, I never got into R&B music because I couldn't relate to it. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Because as a man, as a man, mm-hmm. you always heard about the man sing about the girl he wanted. But then when you hear the yeah. women talk, the women talked about how the man hurt them so for me right so so for me it was very uneven because as a man i always wanted the pretty girl but i didn't want the girl to refer to me as something so negative (laughs) you know what i'm saying so i couldn't relate hey that never was me but i got a lot of yeah 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 and see touching that and talking about the pain and the joy, and like you said, you were a um, Miss Sierra Leone, so you got to travel the world and see a lot of people's stories. What was the main thing that you picked up from traveling the world that when you took home, you said, damn, all of us are just about alike? What was that lesson? Um, I think with that, you, you have to appreciate every day. Um, it doesn't matter what your story is or situation. Just know that um, there is somebody living ten times as worse in your situation so I think that was one of the um, one of the things that I'll take away from traveling so much I don't take anything that's big anything too big um, try not to envy the lives of others as well because you don't know the source of wealth and um, you know you never know the source of wealth and you know just and be happy and try your best to be happy in your condition or your situation so you're able to change it. Because I've literally worked in situations or volunteered as a form of miss in situations where um, getting 15 cents a day or 10 cents a day was an issue. Like mm-hmm. for families, 
10 cents a day is an issue. Getting 10 cents a day is an issue. 10 cents a week is an issue. You know, extreme poverty. I've been in situations where um, we we turn the lights on. We've seen kids in the 7th, 6th grade see electricity for the first time. You know, for the first time. And I've been in situations where, first of all, these kids are not even thinking about getting running water or knowing how a faucet will run, like, maybe for the next maybe 10 years. That's when the, like, you know, that kind of, um, that kind of development will reach their areas, knowing mm-hmm. how to turn on a faucet or something like that. So just traveling um, just made me appreciate more, you know, who I am, how far I've come, and what I plan on achieving in the future. And I just hope anybody listens to this pod, this podcast gets that as well. Like, I know sometimes we have bad days. Sometimes you think, like, everything sucks. Like, oh, my God, I live. But let me tell you, there's some situations where it gets worse. Like, some people have it worse. So that's, you know, one thing I could take from being a miss. That was one of the biggest lessons I had to learn early. And that was a miss, not only Miss Sierra Leone and Sierra Leone. I was Miss Sierra Leone in America as well. So um, I've been a miss for Sierra Leone maybe from my early 20s till I was maybe 25, 26. From 18 to 25, 26, I was winning different competitions from Sierra Leone. Um, I was I went to Miss Africa and I came second for Sierra Leone. I was the first Black Miss University of Virginia's College at Wise, which which is a school here in um in Virginia. You know, so I've been doing pageantry for a long time. So just you know, one thing I could say is just appreciate your situation, no matter how bad you think it is. Word, I I respect that. See, see, pageant life, to me, as a man, everybody looks at pageant life as, you know, the girls are pretty and they just come up and talk. Like mm-hmm. I said, everybody's going to see your pictures. They're going to know you're gorgeous as far as how you look. But the thing that made you so dope to me as a person was the fact that you you go out to do your best for people, and that's the real beauty of spirituality within you. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was prophesied in the 90s, and even some people argue this, about biblical prophecy, that these times that we're in were um, prophesied to come because of the uh, end of the 400 years. And with that, we've seen women come full front and show, now nah, we strong, true, we got voices, and sometimes we even better than y'all men, so y'all need to shut up and hear what we got to say. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and in this time of unity, of getting together, and family, solidarity, we see that not only is the music and the mind coming together, but it's the side of God that people have been shutting out, and that's the caring and the gentleness of it. What do you think is society's biggest flaw when it doesn't hear the the, the female or the woman's side of the story? You know, um, for pageantry, let me just, you know, get into that. I, I, I started doing pageants because I wanted a stage for poetry. Mm-hmm. I, I, there was no, nobody was, you know, willing to listen. Nobody wanted to listen. So um, I, I figured out I was winning the pageants and people actually listened to me as a poet. I had to be a beauty queen for them to listen to me as a poet because I wanted a stage so bad. And um, I wanted to go back to Sierra and do so well. But, you know, being a beauty queen maybe opened the doors for that and people would listen to you. Society has placed, um, society has placed, you know, um, you know, this, this self-hate, 
um, created a system of self-hate, especially for black women. Because um, even in pageantry, a lot of people will look at it like, oh, it's, it's all glitz and glamour. But you should know that the darkest women in pageants aren't always the most successful women. Because the world is looking for maybe, you know, a, a more subtle look, which is maybe a little lighter skinned, uh, uh, more, you know, a little, you know, so dark girls find it so difficult to also prove a point that I am equally as beautiful, equally as intelligent, and equally as driven as all the women on this stage. Mm-hmm. You know, so that authentic blackness becomes something that um that that is looked down upon, even in on a platform that everybody thinks um the women are you know the women are not too articulate. And secondly, coming from somebody that went to Miss World, I can tell you that all the women that go to Miss World have a first degree, majority have a first degree, a second degree, or they are, um, you know, they are professionals, maybe as doctors, engineers, or dentists. But because they look pretty, nobody, nobody looks at what they can offer. Nobody yeah. looks at what they can do for society. Everybody just looks at, oh, yeah, you're a pretty woman. I guess that's all you know how to do is to, you know, wear clothes, like, you know, beautiful dresses on stage. And I'm just telling you now, I only did pageants because I wanted a stage. I wanted a stage for poetry, but most importantly, I started connecting back to Sierra Leone, and um, I left Sierra Leone when I was six. I started connecting back to Sierra Leone, and I needed a, a stage to, um, you know, to just do something for girls. And that's how everything started, um, you know, providing scholarships. Because at that time, when I won Miss Sierra Leone in 2008, to, to educate a girl child for a year was $6 for a year. Mm. It was $6. Okay. So um, my friends were playing professional football at that time. I had, um, when I mean professional football, I mean soccer. They were playing professional soccer at that time. And um, we were able to, you know, um, give full high school scholarships, not just, oh, we're going to pay for one year. We, we, we took 86 girls for all their high school career, and we paid for it all the way. So we were, you know, so now sometimes I'm in Sierra Leone, and I have random girls run up to me, Miss Beckley, oh, my God, thank you so much. Because of you, I was able to, you know, complete high school. So, you know, I'll just cry because you're just thinking about $6. It didn't even cost us much. It was just $6 for per year. It was $6 per year. So it was $24 mm. for four years of high school. Mm. $24 for four years. And so That's amazing. Going to pay that so their daughters could not go to school for that. Well, like you know, I said earlier, that's the depth of hip hop that people don't understand because, unfortunately, like you said, if you're pretty to somebody, Western civilization has always been: if it look good, it must be good, and that's how we get into mm-hmm. colorism, racism, and all this mm-hmm. other stuff. Not not saying that you know, like beauty is in the eye of the beholder, and attractiveness is in the in the in in, in the affection of the eye. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, loving people for the creation that they are makes everything in life that much better because then then we can see what I give to you and what you give to me, and how we create God and making society. Because through socialness, we, we show the embodiment of the fruits of the spirit. You know what I'm saying? Definitely. Definitely. Word. But, but we are, I'm looking forward to, you know, connecting with you because we would love to invite you to Sierra Leone. Don't think we're just going to do an interview and we're going to end it there. Um, you know, I want I want you to come to Sierra Leone. And, you know, I want you to, um, it's, so when you come to Sierra Leone, 
just, you know, if you could get your plane ticket, you know, everything is on me when you get to Sierra Leone. You don't have to worry about a place to stay. You don't have to worry about a car. You don't have to worry about what you eat in. Just know that, you know, whenever you want to come to Sierra Leone, you got a place to stay. So, you know, and I think, you know, um, young hip-hop lovers or young rappers, you know, a community host, they would love the interaction. They would love the knowledge that you're bringing in for them to see that, you know, um, your condition may be, you may think that this is your condition, but just know that, you know, we are all global citizens and we're all working together through hip-hop to tell our stories. So, you know, I would love for, you know, you to bring the Heritage Podcast down to Sierra Leone. And, you know, the invitation is open. You're more than welcome to come. I'm going to take you up on that offer. It's COVID. COVID got us sitting in one spot right now. But my, my goal is to take Heritage out Hip Hop Global is because hip hop is a global community. I always ask this question, and since you said that, I'm going to bring it to you. How do you define hip hop, and what is it to you? Hip hop is a hip hop is a is a culture. Mm-hmm. Hip hop is a is a is a is a wow. This is defining hip hop as a culture. It's a it's a it's a it's 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 it's. I can't explain it because it's a feeling. It's something. It's something mm-hmm. like it's something. I could just see little kids just dancing, you know, on the side of the street. I could see, you know, just people. It's a connection. It has no barriers. It has no language. It, 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 it's beats. It's, it's, it's drums. It's instruments. It's, 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 it's instruments and words and how it feeds the soul. That, you know how long it's taking you to um, define hip-hop? That's what hip-hop is. Hip-hop is, mm-hmm. is a connection. You know, um, look at something like when Pop Smoke died. Yeah. I was so heartbroken because I love Pop Smoke. And, okay. um I was, my cousins from France, they don't speak English. They don't speak English so well. And they were talking to me. They were like, yeah, we're so sad Pop Smoke died. <laughs> and I was like, right. But they, they couldn't understand exactly what Pop Smoke was talking about. They couldn't understand the words that were coming out of his mouth, but they understood the rhythm. They understood the beat. They understood how, you know, how, how it flowed. So hip-hop is, it, it raised, uh, hip-hop raises children. Is that hip Hip-hop is a parent. It's the extra parent. It's like the other parent, the other auntie. I'm trying to think what exactly hip-hop is. Hip-hop is that <laughs> other parent that's helping parents raise their children. Nice. Is that, that uncle that you look up to, like, that you will ask a question, and it, it, that uncle that is always cooler than your parents? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay. Yes, that's just what it is. It's just that uncle that's always cooler than that's going to say, listen to this. Come here right quick. How you feel about this? How does this make you feel? You know, that uncle that just loves you unconditionally and, oh, that grandma. And you're never wrong. Like, you're never wrong. You're mm. never wrong. You know what I'm saying? It's just that grandma's love like that. It feeds your soul. It feeds you. And, and that's what hip-hop is. I'm trying that's to tell dope. you. Yeah, <laughs> that's what <laughs> I mean, hip-hop can be defined so many ways, and yours encompasses the feeling, the joy, the family, and that's great. We're going to leave it right there because... But you should see me smiling as I define it. Like, <laughs> I heard it. Like, I felt the joy when you explained it. 
<laughs> you know, I'm smiling because this, that is, I've never been asked that before. And my teeth are all out, like, excited. Like, I, I love, I'm like, it really is that grandma. Like, that, mm-hmm. that just, like, come here, baby. What's wrong? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's what it is. I mean, I mean, that's what, like I said, that's the purpose of Heritage Hip Hop is to show we're more than just a music. We are people. We are a culture. We are connected. And that connection is living. Just like they said, the most high is the God of the living, which means he never, ever will die because life will always continue, and righteousness is eternal life. So then if he's living and if the hip-hop is living, there's nothing that could take it away. It will always evolve and grow with us. We will be hip-hop from when we're born, until, and we'll be hip-hop even beyond our passing. You see what I'm saying? Exactly. 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 And that's why... And that's why I celebrate you as an as a woman, as an artist, as a as a representative for your country, council, all that because you are the embodiment of hip hop. Because you went from a person who came into the world fresh as a brand new blank slate that has grown into a person of purpose and a person who purposely leads others through her example. So before anybody else. Just to say that, I want to say thank you for all that you have done so far, and being that your life is not over, I cannot wait to read the chapters in your book before you before you close it. Thank you so much, and I can't wait for us to stay connected so that we can see what we could do for Sierra Leone. No now problem. Let's just hey. let COVID let COVID give us a chance to plan. If COVID is ever going to give us a chance to plan, well, it definitely is doing that, and with the unified. With a unified enemy in the world right now, I think people are finally getting focused and we're seeing the, the, the real power of united voices versus a common foe, you know? So before we, um, we have some fun, please give everybody your social media and how they can learn about you more, hear your music, or follow you on social media. Um, Social on Facebook is Natasha Beckley, um, and on Instagram is Natasha underscore Beckley, and um, so that's where. And on YouTube is also Natasha Beckley. I ha- so just you know, just if you Google in Natasha Beckley, you're gonna find me on all social media pl- um, platforms. And my EP is dropping in September, so um, you know, Free Time is the only song because my EP is called Free Time: The Recipe. So, um, you know, I'll free town the recipe, and it's the recipe to put Freetown out. It's the recipe to bring my country out, to feed people about my country. So, um, you know, um, if you if you just Google in, you know, Natasha Beckley, Freetown the Recipe, I know that, you know, um, you'll be able to stream my music on all platforms as well. Beautiful. I love it. So before we go to the rapid-fire questions, I want to say to everybody listening, hip-hop is living as we said and with living it has a purpose so please listen to natasha beckley's music stream it but if you like it purchase it because purchase power guarantees you more music and it helps her make more changes and influence the world positively so please believe and believe in your in your artists and show them your belief by putting your money where your interest is, and the more you purchase, the better it is for the culture, yourself, the artists, and the people we all affect and influence with your money. All right? Exactly. Exactly. 
Now, with that being said, it's time for the rapid-fire questions. The rapid-fire questions are not yes-no questions. These are questions that show, like I said, the depth and your understanding of not only hip-hop, but life and yourself. Are you ready? Let's go. All right. What song or album perfectly defines you and is made by another artist, not yourself? As I said, um, 50 Cent, Get Rich Without Trying. All right. You're a hustler. I like it. <laughs> All right. Second question. Africa as a continent is the world's most guiltiest, pre guiltiest secret over its most precious thing. And people in this country of color have always had an affinity for Africa because we never knew about it. But when we learned, it turned us on to it. And Afro beats and all the music that came out of there blew up big over here because the love we have for music and our people. Since you do music on both coasts, what is the most rewarding thing about bridging the coast to you? The most rewarding thing is um, just showing the showing the African lifestyle as well, the blend of the African lifestyle and the American lifestyle as well. Just seeing young um, kids, young kids that are born in um, in America or born in different um, parts of the world from African parents, call me saying, "Natasha, I love your song." And just it just took me back to a place where I'm trying to go. It took me back to a place I've been hearing about. So the most rewarding thing is just you know getting people that are not born in Sierra Leone feel connected to my music. So that's been the most rewarding. Excellent. One thing I like about you as an artist is you have the ability to always represent on any song you're on, right? <laughs> right. And there's a song that you have with a certain artist named Magneto. Mm -hmm. That song would be called It's a Fact. Mm -hmm. tell, me about, tell me about the dynamic of being a female on a microphone that can, that can hold it down just as hard as a male, and people will talk about you on that track as well. That is hilarious. Um, so Magneto is one of the greatest freestyle artists in Africa, I believe, and um, I've been working with him for a year. He's always saying, Natasha, you're good. Natasha, you're good. I was like, oh, my God. So um, on my way going to Nigeria, um, you know, I just started thinking about it's a fact, like, you know, just stating the facts about, you know, stating the facts about who I am. And um, we were in the studio, and I just, you know, um, he's like, let's work on something. And I was like, Magnus, I've been trying to do uh, it's a fact. Pre um, he's like, yo, let's do it. So they dropped the beat, and, you know, um, we were in the studio, and I just thought it was, like, African thick, pretty thing. It's a fact. You know, just stating the facts, like, you know, um, and he was coming hard, and I was coming harder, and that's how it's a fact came about. So it's just, um, you know, I'm not in this to compete, but I'm definitely in this to put on. I'm, I'm here to make Africa look good. I'm here to make African women look good, and I'm definitely here to make Sierra Leone look good. So that's what it's a fact is about, stating the facts. <laughs> You know, so. And you do, because you did it wonderfully. You represented on that song. That song is really good. So it's payback, yeah. though. Yeah. Now, you see, not too many women. There's not too many women that's rhyming, but we got a couple on there. Like, what was that like? You said there's not a lot of women on where? You said that like, there's not a lot of women in Africa that were rapping, but on payback, it seems there's a lot of women with you on the track. So how did that oh, come about? Yeah. Yeah, on payback. So I was in Nigeria, and we had a lot of um, other women there, too. 
um, Nappy Girl and Descachelle being with Magneto. So Magneto is surrounded by, you know, the hardest female MCs. So we were all um, just in the, we were in the studio and um, he was like, it would be so funny if we, um, if we, if we came up with a song. And then one of the rappers was like, yeah, well, I'm going to tie you up. And another rapper was like, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do this to you. And I was like, God damn, you know, so that's how <laughs> we that came about. And he was just, he was just shocked because he probably thought the females would talk about, um, you know, maybe something a little sexy or something a little subtle. And, you know, these are females dressed in all black, like, you know, like, what's good? What's going on? Like, what you trying to do? You know what I'm saying? So, like, you know, that's what happened. But in terms of females in Africa, there are females coming up now. There are a lot of African females coming up. And I can say I'm one of them, um, you know, new to the scene. And I'm just looking mm -hmm. forward to putting on, you know. So, you know, not challenging the men because, you know, hip-hop is something that the men do. But I'm just trying to say lyrically, I could, you know, I could, you know, head for head, I could step in any book for any man. And let's create good music together. True indeed, because I mean, all y'all, all y'all made made a statement in that video and on that song. And I was very intrigued, you know. Um, like I said, when when, when you come to Heritage Hip Hop, we do research. We look into that music because we want to no, know who you, we're when, talking. When you hit me with payback, I was like, payback? Is he going back to payback? I was like, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I was like, where did he see that? <laughs> See, I'll let one. You're the real FBI. Let me tell you, you're the real FBI. <laughs> well, like I said, I love this culture. So if there's somebody who I really like, even beyond the interview, if I really like your music, I want to know who you are. And like I said, you have my heart already as an artist. I'm, I'm going to support you. When that EP drops, I'm buying it. I'm going to give you that love and respect because you gave me something already. You know what I'm saying? That's how I treat the artists I love. You know what I mean? Thanks so much. So let's continue. I want to know, in your in your in your opinion, what song saves the world, especially right now? Is it a song you made or another artist that you look to? A song that saves the world right now. Mm -hmm. Definitely got to take it back, maybe to the King of Pop. Um, maybe um, take it back to Michael Jackson, and um, or take it back to Bob Marley. But right now, Heal the World is definitely something that you know um, that is needed because you know um, it's a lot of hurt. Cool. 2020 just you know opened a lot of wounds, and um, you know you see you know um, not only African Americans and Blacks in America are, you know, fighting for this reform, especially for police reform. But you see, you know, different nationalities jumping in to fight, you know, to in solidarity with African Americans and their struggles. But not only are you seeing that, you've seen it going on in the honest community. The Amish community came out in France, in in London, in um in Belgium, in, in Africa. You got Africans fighting for we have our own issues, but still fighting for you know, George Floyd. So there are wounds that are open that we just need to heal. And I think that Michael Jackson, like, you know, he, he, like, he, he, he created a masterpiece for us to be able to, you know, um, to sing along now as we're fighting for just the basic human rights for all humans. Basic human mm -hmm. rights for all humans. So Heal the yeah. World is definitely the song for the moment. It's funny how we have to argue about the word basic and matters. In today's climate, exactly. which is ridiculous. Just basic. Nobody's asking. Just basic. The basic right. Just basic. Basic. Not even asking right. for anything extra, but basic right. 
So, you know, heal the world, make it a better place, definitely is something that's speaking. And the reason why I chose that song is not something that they will know only in, you know, the Americas. They know all around the world. You know, Michael mm-hmm. Jackson was that kind of, you know, that kind of father figure to the music industry. So um, definitely that is a song for right now. Yeah, imagine if Michael Jackson, Kobe Bryant, Nipsey Hussle, Tupac, and Bob Marley could all sit down at the table with Prince, and it would be amazing in the music right now, you know? Can you, and Biggie, of course, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, this is there. Like, that would be crazy. It would be amazing. Maybe, they would let Pop Smoke come in and talk. <laughs> okay. Hey, why not? Maybe, maybe even XXX and Tashian could be there. You never know. Yeah. We can't. I don't know. We can't, that, I don't know if it's yeah. easy going to let them in, but they might. Yeah. Be. Maybe. I mean, I mean, the one thing I don't like about hip hop that really make me, makes me kind of sore is that we have a, a generational hate in it where the younger folks will be like, y'all old heads. We don't listen to y'all. Or the older folks will be like, y'all young. We don't listen to y'all. In the Bible, that's called Rehoboamism. Because when Rehoboam got the kingdom of Israel, he, he didn't listen to the elders. The youth took over. And then out of, the, out of that hatred, the kingdom was broken apart. And just today, our unity, our, our society is broken apart through ageism. And hip-hop, I, I, I interviewed an artist, and he said, there's no sticker on a hip-hop album that says you have to be this old to listen to this or this young to understand this. And I right. hate that we do that to each other. You know what I'm saying? That's very true. So what I try to do is, um, I got a younger brother. He's 28. So I try to listen to a lot of um, his music as well. And he makes me listen to a lot of new school music just to be able to, you know, to be able to get into, um, to be able to, you know, connect. You know, music and hip-hop is all about connection. As you said, there's no age barrier, so you have to be, you know, this is for everybody that's over 50 or this is for everybody that's over 40. But it's just, you know, the moments that speak to you. So just, I've been watching a lot of the verses, you know, like the Nelly Ludacris, you know, that spoke, you know, it spoke volumes because back in college, that's what, you know, I was listening to, you know, um, you know, Andale, Andale, Mami, yeah, yeah, you know. But a lot of kids will probably find it, you know, something that's like, oh, we didn't listen to that. But, you know, it's all it's all part of the process of learning. You know, you got to learn to know, you know, what you're talking about. you got to learn to know, um, you got to learn. Look at Pop Smoke, that's new school. He was 21, and I really mm-hmm. loved him. You know, I love mm-hmm. I love how confident he was and, you know, how maybe it's because I'm a big fan of 50 Cent. So, you know, he kind of gave me that vibe as well. But, you know, I just love how, you know, how he commanded, you know, presence and stuff like that, you know. So you have the Kendrick Lamar, you know, so you can't just say I only listen to those people. But remember, back if you are a real DMX, Rough Riders, you know, mm-hmm. these are people that set the, the Red Man and Method Man. You know, you have to know about the history to be able to really, you know, speak about it. And you have to continue to learn about the history to continue the legacy. So that's, you know, it's very important. I'm glad you said that because now we're going to ask you our legacy questions. The remix is a part of hip-hop history where we took a song or remade it and it gave the song extra life, whether we changed the beat or we added new people on the song. So, Natasha Beckley, what is the greatest remix of all time? The greatest remix. Oh, oh my God! Let me think about this one. Why would you get these questions from? Oh my God! <laughs> okay. Let is that is this last question? Because I wanna. I'm I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about. Maybe we can go to another one and I'll get back to that. Okay. 
No problem. I will come back to it. Mm-hmm. Being that we added people to beat, that's called a feature. Um, when you add somebody on your song, and sometimes the people who you add on your song as a feature can kill the song and make it their song like you did on Payback, right? So right. my question is, who has the greatest feature in history to you? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Let's talk about that one. Um, definitely Renegade with um, Jay-Z and Eminem. Okay. Um, you know, since I'm in the position of talk to these kids and they listen, I ain't no politician, but let me kick it with them a minute. Like, I, I love that song. I okay. love that song. And I just will sit down all the time and just listen to M's verse and, you know, listen to how Jay got on there. But um, definitely I would say that, um, definitely I would say that Renegade by um, Jay-Z and um, Eminem is one of the greatest. Or, you know what I'm saying, 50 Cent and Eminem patiently waiting. And um, mm. Eminem is just the truth. You know, well, Eminem you, is just the truth. And, and definitely. You know, so putting him on your track, you gotta, you gotta be ready, ready to, you just gotta be ready, period. You know what I'm saying? You gotta be ready, period. So, yeah, you know. I love it. There's a story behind Renegade, and that's, we'll talk about that later, but true. So my next question, because we're doing legacy questions, is this. If Natasha Bethley got to make her perfect song, who would you have do the song? Do you have any remix? Re- I mean, remixes. Do you have any features? And who would do the beat to your perfect song? Oh, who and it could be dead or alive. There's no, there's no limitation. Who would, who would make the beat? Who would make the beat? And who would be on your perfect song? Like I said, dead or alive, no limitations. Oh my God, Timberland. Timberland. Okay, he does the beat. Is anybody on there with you? And Missy. You and Missy. Yes. That would be good. I would love to hear that. that. I would love to hear it. I want to hear it. Like, you know, she's a legend when it comes to, you know, just, you know, hip-hop and women. And um, there was, you know, there was no song. right. Now. You can listen to Missy right now when you start, you know, moving your head and, you know, moving your body. So I would love to get Missy on something I saw beat and get Timberland to just turn it around. And um, that is something definitely that I would want to do. I made this question specifically for you since you're an international artist. Okay. I've heard you rap on beats from um, the main continent, and I heard you rap on covers from here, like Meat Mill, you know, things oh, like that. Mm-hmm. So... How do the beats hit you differently, and what and what do they bring out of you differently from each other? I mean. So the beats here, um, the beats here probably will bring out that maybe the Magdalenian savageness. Okay. Um, you could, um, you know, um, when I listen to beats here, you probably want to. It, it makes me want to blend the African American, um, the African and the American culture. So um, you know, so but the beats in Africa more just make me they just mellow me down just a little bit you know we just you know it just gives you more of a you know a cultural feel a lifestyle feel and a dance feel because our people just want to go they just want to dance they right. just want to dance you know but um so the american you know covers maybe put me more in my bag um <laughs> you know when i'm in my bag like you know i I start tapping into female rappers that i listen to like it probably brings in a little kim in there bring a little foxy in there bring a little nikki in there 
who I think is doing phenomenal, you know what I'm saying? So, like, my neck and features just, you know, make it seem more like that, you know, um, that African, cultured, bossy, American woman. So that's what happens when I listen to American beats. Love it. That's dope. Now, what's the greatest remix of all time? So I, I'm going to take it back. So I don't know if you're a big fan of Paul Simon. Okay. Um, Paul, Paul Simon has a song that he remade um, with um, Black Mambazo. They are a South African, um, you know, um, they stand during the apartheid in South Africa. And then, um, you know, they did Homeless. They did Homeless. And they did mm-hmm. um, Diamonds on, on the Soles of Her Shoes. And that song, like, I just got chills talking about it. It says, you know, um, Africa is a continent of, you know, of natural minerals. We have everything in Africa. But then it's like when you see our kids walking on our soil, you see them as just, you know, they're just, you know, barefoot walking on soil. But, you know, they're, they're walking on wealth. They're walking on, on, on greatness. So Diamonds on the Soles of Her, um, on the soles of her Shoes by Paul Simon and Black Mombato. I think is one of the greatest lyrics of all time. And growing up as a child, my dad played that over and over, over and over again. Mm. Yeah. I had to keep that back. Yes. Hey, first time we ever that heard Paul Simon on Heritage Hip Hop. That's what's up. Hey, I'm loving it. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully me and you can stay in contact. And the reason why I say that is because I want you to send me the music from Africa. I want to send you some of the people that we support here. So if you really want to do that, 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 that connection, we can get something going on between the two countries where they can go over there, I can interview them over here, we can introduce each other's sound to each other and spread this good music. You see what I'm saying? I've already saved your number, so I'm just waiting for you to change now. <laughs> hey, you're thank late. You. Okay, thank you. I, I appreciate it. Because I, I would love to introduce you to some, to, some, to some sounds that we have, especially in New Jersey, because the story of hip-hop from New Jersey is much different than the mainstream mainland culture of hip-hop. Jersey. I used to stay there. That's what's up. Shout and out to Jersey. Sickleville? Yeah, oh, you're in South Jersey. Okay, that's yeah, cool. South Jersey. Yeah, South Jersey. yeah, you have to experience Essex County and Hudson County and Plainfield. <laughs> we, got a, we got different identities all over, and I would love to share them with you one day. So let's do so, communication, and, you know, let's see, you know, as COVID is ending, by the grace of God, let's see, how, let's continue to, you know, um, see how we can, how best we can work together. Not a problem. That's what we want. We want to build a global, um, a global family through Heritage Hip Hop. So now it's time for the final question of the interview. Once again, I thank you for coming on. The councilwoman of the Sierra Leone, the, 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 the leader of poetic thought and hip-hop expression in Sierra Leone. The Amen. top MC from Sierra Leone. Once again, hey. Natasha Beckley is here on Heritage Hip-Hop. And this is the most important question I ask everybody on their first interview. So you're always welcome to come back when your project drops or anything like that, okay? Okay, definitely coming back, yes. Thank you. The most important question I ask is one day you're not going to walk on this planet anymore. And heaven forbid that happens anytime soon, so we pray to the Most High that your life is abundant, your cup runneth over with blessings, and you're around to see many more of, of the changes of positivity in life, period. But one day there's going to be a day where you're going to be, going to be gone. And through a cataclysmic event, one day there's going to be an earthquake, the ground's going to open up, and somebody's going to walk past this hole, and in this hole they're going to find a magic box called the laptop or the TV, right? Because they don't use those anymore. And in it, you're going to find your music. 
your videos, your poetry, your policy, maybe even hear stories from your book. And people are going to learn about you 12 generations away from now. My final and most important question to you is, as a as a as everything that you are, a woman, an artist, an activist, a politician, a, a, a lover of humanity, what is the legacy that you leave behind on this world that made it better? Not only because you live, but because you created and did your art and made it better. What is your legacy? Um, I this is such a beautiful question, and I I hope that my legacy is um, getting people not only women, children, men, but people from around the world to understand the value of who they are as individuals. You know, we live in a world that is always going to criticize. We live in a world, even your family is going to criticize you. Your friends are not going to support you. But we have to speak life to ourselves first. You have to speak life to yourself. You have to speak life to yourself. So I just hope that my legacy, you know, um, you know, it encourages people to accept who they are first, find who I am first as an individual before I start leading to um, to empower, inspire, and motivate others. Self-worth, self-acceptance, self, um, self, self-respect, self-being, not being selfish, but just know who I am as myself, then I know that I can be anything that I want because when you're sure of who you are, don't even worry about peer pressure. You could be peer pressured and you don't even know you're going through peer pressure because you already know you're not doing it. Mm. You already know that's not even a part of you. So just self-acknowledgement, self-understanding, just love yourself for who you are and not saying that, you know, I'm loving um, designers and everything is, no, all of those are things that you can add on and that's fine. But who you are, don't let anybody break the vessel. Don't let anybody break the temple. This is your temple. And when people say that your body, your temple, it is a fact. Your body, your temple, love the temple before you start letting people come near the temple, worship the temple, or even touching the temple. So you have to have that self-worth, that self-understanding of who you are as an individual. And nothing is going to give you that, not your education, not your job, not your money, not what you own, not your properties, not your car, not nothing. If you don't love yourself, you see people committing suicide. People commit suicide and they got so much money. And you wonder, you got so much money, what you killing yourself for? Some people right. never have. They never knew who they were as an individual. So don't go chasing waterfalls or chasing anything when you don't know who you are as an individual. And that's what I would hope my message gives out to people when I'm gone. Well, everybody out here listening, love yourself enough to give the world your best. And Miss Beckley gives the world her best, not only with her voice, not only with her movement, but with her love for the people and the love for the culture. So once again, we thank her for coming on. Everybody, we say peace, and we out. Thank you so much. I appreciate this. And thank you guys so much for listening. Until next time. We thank you once again for joining us on Heritage Hip Hop Podcast to hear from your future favorite artists being introduced to you right now in the today. And today, Natasha Beckley has hit your hearts, we hope, and giving you hope for the message and the music that's coming out in the future. 
Her wanting to represent her nation, her country, her people shows the depth of hip hop. That it's more than just shaking your behind and talking about money and things. It can also be used to establish national pride and to be characteristic of a legacy going forward of believing and doing well and good for others. Being a righteous soul that makes music for the betterment of the world. Thank you, Natasha. And may the most high bless you. And hopefully one day we will be in Freetown to record not only more acts, but to see the love and the beauty of our people in Africa, the motherland, as we called it back in the day. Everybody, thank you for listening to Heritage Hip Hop. And we ask for you to please help us grow Heritage Hip Hop. You can join us at www.heritagehiphop.com. Become a subscriber and uh, we look for new things coming new playlists our award show is coming up this is our fourth award show where we give awards to people who put out great projects to help move the culture forward so please join us at www.heritagehiphop.com to hear more podcasts see more videos and also our shows our talk shows and more also ask that you join our other page heritage hip-hop on youtube where you can subscribe and hit the notification bell for when any whenever any videos come out from any artists we have many playlists highlighting the people that we have had on the platform and we have more to come this episode is brought to you by transparent credit repair the superheroes of the financial literacy and credit repair world if you're looking to open your wallet to receive money rather than pay bills Fixing your credit will be a major help to you. You can contact them at www.transparentcreditrepair.com or you can call them at 862-250-5122. Before we get out of here, we would like to ask everyone, please, please support the team that supports you, which is Heritage Hip Hop. We have a store. It is at the website www.storefrontier.com forward slash heritage hip hop you can uh, support us by buying some apparel and wearing some of our classic shirts we have the jersey hip hop shirt and the heritage hip hop jersey logo which is there now representing our home state of new jersey we'd like to give a shout out to our team our virtual assistant you can find him on instagram at fatty's place f-a-d-d-y-s-p-l-a-c-e our marketing and promotion person Mr. Fire Jaws, you can find him at F-I-R-E-J-A-W-S. He's the owner of Wildfire Marketing. If you're looking to promote and place your product, please contact him. Also, some of our talent behind the behind the scenes, we have Lex Diamonds of Diamonds Entertainment LLC. That's D-I-E-M-E-N-Z Entertainment LLC on Instagram. And Adiar of The Big A Show, which is on YouTube at A-H-D-A-Y-A-R. Adiar, that's right. Season two is coming. I am the co-host of that show. That show is crazy. And if you want to see how crazy it is, follow Adiar on YouTube. Once again, we're looking to bring the future of the culture to the now. And we celebrate the veterans as well. So you could go on Heritage Hip Hop and see our interviews with Tretch, Do It All, and hear our podcast with Billy Dance, Cassidy, and more. We celebrate the total hip-hop culture, not just today and not just yesterday. We always represent the now, and the now represents the past, present, and future. And right now in today's world, we have a lot of turbulence and some things going on. So we ask everybody in the world who's fighting against COVID, social injustice, and making a stand for people's rights and equality. Be safe, stand strong, and believe that the Most High got your back. And no matter what happens, it will be in righteous detail and design. 
So with that being said, everybody stay safe, stay healthy, stay strong. And we say peace and we out.